0: Our dream of what was going to be our ideal and planned birth could not have been further from the reality that unfolded. There was no calm and tranquil water birth, no relaxing music, no candles, no catching of the baby, no happy crying baby on delivery, and no chest time for mum and bub. What actually happened was pretty scary and traumatic. G'day and welcome to the Dads of the NICU podcast. My name is Matt Bilkowski and I'm a proud father of a premature baby born at 25 weeks at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. Our daughter was 766 grams or one pound, 11 ounces at birth. Our superstar girl spent 84 days in the NICU and 14 days in special care before it being discharged home on oxygen. I started this podcast as I wanted to share my experiences with other dads, the aim of which is to allow them to hear what other dads went through and to find a connection to our stories so that they know that they are not alone and what they're feeling and going through is normal. I hope it helps you on your journey. Hi everyone. Well, today I wanted to share my story and our journey to the NICU. Starting back when it was all beginning for us, when we were trying to conceive, right up until our daughter's first day and night in the NICU. Some of what I'll go through is probably going to be confronting for a few people, so uh, please listen with caution. Well, My wife and I have been waiting for quite a while uh, to start our family, and we were waiting for the right time for us uh, when it fit into our lives, but we quickly learned that we had absolutely zero control over the timing. We are trying to fall pregnant for well over a year with no luck, Jess had had a number of surgeries and countless tests along the way to identify what was going on and why we weren't falling pregnant, and then I went through my own tests during our IVF consultations. It actually turned out that I had a really low sperm count, and of the total number of swimmers that I had, which was quite low, only about 3 to 5% were actually active and functional. So this came as a massive shock to me and hit me pretty hard, to be honest. I felt inadequate and just hugely disappointed and, and depressed for quite a while. After going through a bit more information about the IVF process and knowing this was truly going to be our only option, we were obviously resigned to the fact that we were going to have to go through this process. But ironically, about one to two months before we were going to start our IVF journey, Jess fell pregnant. The utter jubilation and relief we both felt was just pure ecstasy. We were so bloody excited and couldn't wait for the path that was laid ahead or what we thought was going to be the path for us what actually followed were about 23 weeks of excruciating sickness for my wife and a level of discomfort that she'd never felt before and I'd never seen her go through before. She had all of the regular tests and screenings along the way during the pregnancy and nothing looked to be out of the ordinary but Jess just felt like absolute crap the whole way through. She said she only had about two weeks of feeling good and actually comfortable uh, which were the two weeks leading into what was about to happen. Jess's plan was to have a water birth in the birthing suite at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. We'd actually gone there a couple of times to have an initial look around and some consults with the midwife and it was all looking really positive. We were actually really excited about what was ahead of us. A few months before Jess fell pregnant, she actually had a dream or a premonition that she was sitting in the special care unit, holding a little baby with dark hair and turned to her dad and said, isn't she cute? When Jess woke up that morning and told me about it, she knew that this was gonna be an omen for her. And then when she was finally admitted to hospital with complications at 25 weeks and one day, she knew in the pit of her stomach what was about to unfold. I still had no idea. So Thursday rolled around. Jess woke me up and said, I think I need to go into the hospital for a checkup. So off we went. It was about 6am in the morning. She was admitted late that afternoon and this began our journey. So she was at 25 weeks and one day at this stage. She was immediately jabbed with two courses of steroids to help our little fighter out and we were given a crash course in what might happen, which included a tour of the NICU on the Sunday. We joked with each other a couple of times saying, oh, we won't be here for ages, we don't need to see it. But we thought, we'll just go down anyway and just check it out just for peace of mind. Little did we know that within 24 hours of us doing the tour, our daughter would actually be in there fighting for her life for the next 98 days. So Monday morning rolled around and our bathroom was actually scheduled for a full renovation. I met the builders at home at 7am and discussed what we wanted and talked about what we needed to happen. And they immediately started to rip it all out. It was a little bit daunting at this stage knowing that I have a fair bit on my plate at this stage here. So fairly busy at work, Jess is in hospital feeling pretty crap and now we're starting a full bathroom renovation. That Monday morning on the doctor's rounds, Jess was actually told that they'd been really happy with her progress and if she wanted to, she could go home because we fortunately lived only about 10 minutes away from the hospital. But she just just knew that something wasn't quite right and asked to stay a bit longer. Luckily for her and everyone, she listened to her body and her instincts because within two hours of that, she'd started labor. Ironically, Jess had actually had a test on the Saturday that gave her a 5% chance of actually delivering the baby in the next two weeks. That was all about to be proven wrong. By the time I finished around with the builders, it was about 10am and I went over to the hospital. Jess was downstairs having coffee with a couple of friends uh, down at the cafe uh, because we were supposed to be going to their wedding on the Friday of that week. But they knew that we couldn't make it, so they came in to catch up with Jess. About 10.45, Jess started to have a few Braxton Hicks contractions, which she'd actually been having on and off for quite a few weeks leading into this but these contractions she was having were quite different. These ones started to hurt a lot more when they haven't been before, and the pain was starting to refer into her back. So we went back upstairs to the ward, and I started tracking the contractions. They started on every four minutes. Then after a couple, they were down to three. Then after a couple, they were down to two. At about 11.30, Jess started to get a bit worried that she was beginning to lose a lot of blood. The amazing midwives knew that this wasn't right, and hit the alarm button, and she was rushed downstairs to one of the delivery suites, Quick, smart. She was dosed up with two rounds of magnesium, which immediately made her feel like absolute crap. She felt like she was on fire, and she just looked so uncomfortable. It was really hard to watch, but all I could do was be there and comfort her. But she knew that all of this was for our baby's benefit. They put the sensors on Jess to hear the baby's heartbeat, and our little adventurous bub was moving around a fair bit, so it was really hard to lock onto her. When they finally did, the doctor wasn't happy with what he was hearing and seeing, so he immediately called for the emergency bell to be activated. Jess was rushed away, Category 1, to the delivery suite, and was about to have a classical Caesar, which meant having one of those full T-cuts. They were literally running with her to the surgery ward, and this was a huge sense of panic in everyone's face. Needless to say, I was absolutely shitting myself. As we were all running down the corridor, I was bumped into a waiting room as I wasn't able to go in to see the delivery because Jess would be under general anaesthetic. The last thing I was told was both mum and bub are very sick. Prepare for the worst. I was an absolute blubbering mess. I was wailing in fear and so confused about what the hell was going on. One hour ago we were downstairs having coffee and now this. A few minutes later a nurse came rushing into where I was and said Jess has been downgraded to category two which meant I was able to go in. When I walked into the delivery room I was in utter shock and panic. There were over 20 people in there. I had no idea what was going on. It looked like there was a lot of urgency, but I was promptly informed that it was actually a shift to changeover, so everyone had stayed on to get our little one out. She had three doctors, three anaesthetists, a couple of midwives, heaps of little nursing staff in there. It was bloody mayhem, but it was controlled chaos. I sat down and embraced Jess. We both felt so helpless with what was going on. I looked over the little curtain to see what's happening down below and I could see our little baby trying to poke through Jess's tummy, almost like she was standing up inside. Suddenly hit me really hard that this was really serious and our little daughter really needed to come out immediately. There was so much pressure built up in Jess's tummy that as soon as they cut into a huge fountain of blood rained over us, but ironically we laughed it off at the time. A couple of days later, upon reflection, this was a pretty crazy reaction to have, to be honest, as we had no other way to react. Our little girl was out, and she was rushed over to the recess table, as she wasn't breathing. It felt like an absolute eternity, but I look back over the photos that were taken for us. The, time stamps, the time stamps show, and it was only about two to three minutes, until we heard our little angel's first cry, which actually sounded like a little meow. The pain of waiting to hear anything was the worst feeling I've ever encountered, just hoping and wishing that she was alive and that they could bring her back. And it was immediately replaced with the most emotionally satisfying relief that I'd ever felt when we heard her first little meow. That was one roller coaster I never wanted to jump on again, but the ride had only just begun. I got to do the big reveal and find out what gender our little addition was going to be as we were waiting to find out until birth. I turned over to Jess and said, it's a girl, which she replied, of course, I told you so. I was able to cut the cord, which had obviously been cut to get her to the recess table, but it was still pretty cool that they allowed you some small part of the journey. I was told that I'd need to go with her into the NICU, as I may need to make a couple of tough decisions in the first hour while Jess was in recovery. Again, I was really stressed and really confused, not knowing what was going on. Jess was still being stitched up and now I'm raced away with our little daughter into the NICU. So off we all went, into a place where I thought I wouldn't be for another five weeks at least. But here we were. Our little lady was connected up to everything that they had and she was still being helped to breathe by the doctor's thumb on the end of a tube. She was intubated and put straight onto a humidity crib, set at about 82% humidity and 36 degrees. I couldn't believe how small she was actually felt so sick looking at her, thinking that I was looking at something that just wasn't normal. It felt so unnatural to look at a human so small and frail, so translucent and miniature. She was only 766 grams, or one pound, 11 ounces, and about 30 centimeters long. She was so fragile, I just couldn't believe that she was alive. I was still so worried that she would die, but at the same time, I felt a sense of confidence that she would be okay because there were so many other babies in the NICU at that time. And for some strange reason, it actually felt normalised to see all of these other babies in there. I didn't feel like we were alone. I was asked by one of the nurses what her name was so they could start filling out all the paperwork. I actually laughed at the time because my response was, we thought we still had another 15 weeks to go. We don't have a name yet. We actually had a list of names on the fridge for both boys and girls and we'd slowly been trying to narrow it down over the last couple of weeks leading in. So it wasn't until the next day that we decided on Lara Sloan Bilkowski. Once the craziness had subsided, after about 30 minutes, I found myself just sat there staring at my daughter. Just me and her in a fancy new little apartment. I felt so isolated and alone in the whole grand scheme of things, but I knew she was exactly where she needed to be. I actually felt really guilty that I was here experiencing Lara's first hour in the world, while Jess was still being stitched up, recovering from her traumatic ordeal. I was saddened by the thought that we didn't have our dream arrival. Jess didn't have her water birth. I didn't get to catch Lara. Jess didn't have her bonding moment with a skin-to-skin cuddle post-delivery. We didn't get to have the perfect movie scene birth. We had just gone through a very personally traumatic experience and we're only two hours into the rest of our lives. Well, that's it for today, guys, and I hope you got something out of that episode. As always, please seek professional advice and help if you feel that you need it. I'm certainly not the answer. I'm just a means of helping out a little bit on your journey. If you like these episodes, please subscribe to Dads of the NICU to get all of the new episodes as soon as they're launched. And if you're keen for more content or looking for more resources, please follow our Instagram and Facebook accounts, both called Dads of the NICU. And if you have any questions or you'd like to share your insights or stories, please feel free to contact us via email on dadsofthenikku at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and don't forget to wash your hands.